Hello, welcome to our uh, Monday edition of the Cross-Cultural Talk Program. You take a few days off for the Christmas break and you just, you don't know where you are. Ernie, welcome. <laughs> and uh, belated happy birthday to you, sir. I understand you had a wonderful surprise party. Yes, my wife Yumna arranged it when we flew from Dubai to Beirut, November 29th. I celebrated my 60th birthday. It was a beautiful surprise. Wonderful. You know, we've been using uh, the instrumental theme of My Way from Mr. Anka for some time for this uh, noon hour show and... Uh, uh, today we have a very, very special guest uh, who will be joining us via the telephone. And he's been doing it his way for a long time, so I'm just going to turn it over to you, Ernie, introduce our guest, and, uh, and we'll go from there. Thanks very much, uh, Gary. And uh, we have who he's referring to here is um, our wonderful friend and uh, colleague for Chin Radio, um, Ambassador John Ma- McDonald, live from Washington, D.C. Welcome, Ambassador McDonald, to the uh, show again. Well, thank you, Ernie, and let me wish you a happy birthday. Well, on behalf of everyone, Chin Radio, the best to you and your wife, Christo. And, of course, Yumna Ismail, my wife, uh, sends her regards, as does Beverly Britton, who's listening in. She sent notice of the show to a global audience that she's connected with. She's been on the show with you. And, uh, right. And as I mentioned to you, the ADR Institute of Ontario sent notice across the province and to Canadians. And the Lebanese and Ottawa sent its uh, notice of this show to its 4,000 recipients. So on a local, national, international level, there's been a lot of notices because I think people are very interested in what's going on in the world today and would like to hear from uh, your great insight uh, from the Institute for Multitrack Diplomacy, imtd.org. And for um, listeners to remember that you do this on an annual basis, last year's show was posted at uh, adrcenter.org. Um, and I just want to take a, just a, a moment, Ambassador McDonald, just to remind listeners of your incredible life journey. You're a lawyer, a diplomat, former international civil servant. Uh, you worked as uh, on many, many um, universities and government agencies. You were in the Foreign Service for 40 years as a, as a diplomat. You were appointed ambassador twice by President Carter and President Reagan and international conferences. You were with the um, your Deputy General of the Inter- International Labor Organization and I could spend the whole hour talking about your, uh, your, your but <laughs> well, I just wanted, enough, but you, you. <laughs> you've become a very good friend and a mentor. And thank you for writing the forward to my book. And I'm honored to have endorsed uh, your your book, which listeners can get. So, Ambassador McDonald, we're going to um, get your views uh, today, tomorrow, which I hope will be a part one. We're hoping that if we can uh, capture some time, we can get you on for next week for part two on global affairs. Um, um, uh, Talking maybe uh, today, uh, focusing a bit on the the impact on the world of the new president of the United States for January 20th, and then uh, talking about other global issues and maybe going into more details uh, for next week. One of, one of the things that I, th- I thought of to get started here, and then I'll just open it up to you in terms of uh, maybe some general introductory comments you want to make and maybe focusing on the what's happening in the United States, and then we'll move on into other world issues um, I mentioned I was coming home the other day. I went to a clerk uh, to pay for some gas and everything, and the fellow asked me what my background was, and I said I was born Canadian, but I was Lebanese, and he said, he started talking about the world. He's from Pakistan, and he was really engaging in a subject, and I said, well, what do you feel? He said, I feel um, there's no real justice for ordinary people, and you know, I said, well, what's the hope then? And uh, he said, well, we, we need to find hope, but you know, how do we get there? So I think that reflects the mood of the world. So with that sort of introduction... I'd like to turn it over to you to Ambassador John McDonald, Institute for Multitrack Diplomacy, Washington, D.C. Here we are live on show 204 on December 29, 2008 on the ADR weekly radio series. Go ahead. Well, that's a big order, Ernie. Thank you very much. Uh, The hope for me is uh, President-elect Obama. 
Uh, I think he's a, a great human being, a brilliant person, and he will make a great president. I first uh, uh, really focused on uh, Mr. Obama about 18 months ago or so when I realized that uh, what a great speaker he was and how he'd captured the heart of so many people uh, in this country. And I realized he was also into uh, high tech, which I think is quite remarkable. And he reached out through the Internet to millions of Americans who contributed as little as $5 uh, to his campaign. And he really got the American people excited about his candidacy. And I think that's a, a remarkable achievement. His background, of course, is quite diverse. And uh, uh, maybe some of your listeners are not familiar with that, but his father was from Kenya. His mother was American. Uh, he lived in Indonesia. He went to a school in um, in Hawaii, uh, not far from high school I attended in Hawaii, in Punahou, actually. And then he went on to uh, university and law, Harvard Law School, and Harvard Law School graduate, uh, became a law professor. And back to uh, Chicago, his hometown, and became a community organizer, so he really reacts and deals with people. And then he says, served for some years in the Illinois State Legislature, which nobody seems to remember. Mm. And I think that was a turning point for him because it showed his tenacity. One of the, his accomplishments was to propose uh, early on in his uh, career in the uh, legislature that uh, the police should uh, record by television, by uh, TV, record um, uh People who are being cross-examined or interviewed by the police to ensure that there was no violence and so forth and so on. And he proposed that this become a law. Mm. Well, when this was first uh, cried out on various people in the legislature, they all laughed at him and said, no, that's, uh, that's not going to happen. Nobody really supported him. But he persevered. And, and believe it or not, in two and a half years, that law was actually passed and endorsed by everybody, including uh, both parties, and signed into law by the governor. And it was the first time in the, any state in the United States that this law uh, was required. So that tenacity really grabbed me and re- made me realize that this man sets his goals high and actually goes out and, and uh, actually brings him to pass. So I thought that was a... That was a a great lesson, and I thought some of your listeners would appreciate that. Yes, and uh, I can see why um, his tenacity would capture your attention, because you yourself have been very tenacious in your your life efforts and getting things uh, initiated in, at the United Nations and around the world. So you've got the next generation, I guess, that uh, you're going to be um, uh, supporting and encouraging. And I thought maybe in terms of that support and encouragement, if we can talk a little bit more about the... Uh, the well, let me talk about the next generation, because where this really came home to me with Obama was in January this year. I was asked to give a lecture at American University here in Washington, D.C. There were 27 master's students in the class from all around the country. And after I finished talking about my institute and some of the things we do, one of the students uh, turned to me and said, um, could I ask you a personal question? Well, of course, you never know what that's going to be, but I said, sure, of course. 
So he said, well, I would like to know who your favorite candidate is for president. Hmm. Well, at that point in time, the campaign was wide open. I banged my hand on the table in a loud voice. I said, Obama all the way. <laughs> the entire class burst out into cheers and applause. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And for me, that was a turning point in, uh, in my uh, optimism about his future because he had touched the heart of the younger generation across the United States. And this younger generation had never voted before. And they went out and they voted for Obama. And that younger generation made the difference as far as I'm concerned. And from that point on, I knew he was going to win. My friends disagreed with me, but I said, he is all the way and he's going to make it. And, of course, he did. So that was a pretty exciting moment for me. Well, for sure. And it's been exciting in the 18 years I've known you to hear your predictions and so on. And some people listen and some people don't. And uh, you've been fairly... um, um, accurate, I think. Overall, um, I'm wondering if, as, as we're as we're sort of um, heading into this, um, the topic of, of the of the president. Uh, I remember uh, back in after 9/11, you had shared with me a two-page letter you sent to the White House to then um, former to be President Bush, I guess, Jr., advising about what not to do, but. I guess they either didn't get the letter or didn't read it or didn't understand it. So I'm wondering, um, there's another another few things around this president. I mean, he's the first black president. He's apparently, as far as I know, he's going to use his Muslim middle name in terms of the official uh, proceedings. I mean, there's a lot of newness around, around this. And, uh, I'm wondering if I if you were going to write, um, another letter, uh, and I think you've been interviewed about, I, I think they've been soliciting advice from uh, senior thinkers, and I think you've been one of them. But what would you um, overall advise uh, the new um, administration at the, helm, at the helm with this new president? Well, you talk about letter writing. I, I was reminded that shortly after the election, Archbishop Tutu of South Africa wrote a very nice letter. It was printed in the Washington Post here in Washington, D.C., and he said, this man in this election turned the world on his head. I thought that was a dramatic statement. Yes. And a few days after that, I got a call from, among many others, from a good friend of mine uh, in Bern, Switzerland. And she told me that uh, she was going to have a party on January 20 in Bern to invite all of her Swiss neighbors and friends together because she believed that this election and this man was the greatest event since the end of World War II. Wow. Now, that's a pretty powerful statement to make, and particularly by a Swiss. That was very, very impressive. I was really moved by that. And I told that story to one of my friends here in Washington, D.C., and he said, I want to go back further than that. He he said uh, to remember... Uh, our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence talk about we the people uh, and liberty and justice for all. He said this election has uh, ratified that statement. So he's moved uh, Americans and he's moved people across the globe, and I think that is a, a remarkable, a remarkable achievement. And how would you, um, as a uh leading, living, globe-trotting 
diplomat, as Gary Michael said, who will never retire. Um, what what kind of um, letter would you send to the White House, or what kind of general advice would would you would you give to the president from your your um, your perspective, both in terms of uh, the interests of the United States and and its and its uh, incredible uh, important role in the world? Well, actually, I was uh, asked a couple of weeks ago at a, at a where I was speaking to a, a group of about forty five people here in Washington D.C. Uh, said, uh, McDonald, what would you do if you, McDonald, were in the White House on uh, taking, and we were Mr. Obama on, on uh, January 20th? I came up with four things uh, right away, aside from the economy, of course. I said that I felt that uh, it was uh, of critical importance uh, for the world to realize that this was now a, a new approach and that he was really starting with a new broom. I said the first thing I would do would be shut down Guantanamo Bay. Mm. Uh, that has been a, a sore point in, in the minds of uh, millions of people across the United States. And there's a, a denigration of uh, the U.S. image across the world. I said shut it down. That's what I would do. Ambassador and the second thing I said I would do, I had four ideas. The second thing I said I would do, would to be rewrite the rules on torture and bring them back uh, to where they belong following international law. And he, as a law professor, could take a leading role in that. The third thing I said I would do would be to rewrite the rules with the National Security Agency, it's the agency here that uh, is reading emails and doing all kinds of illegal things under the Constitution with regard to American citizens. And the fourth thing I said I would do was to to uh, abolish the embargo of Cuba. <laughs> this has been needless for decades ever since the fall of the Soviet Empire, and I think we'd, we should stop the embargo and start restoring relations to our neighbor only 90 miles across the water. So those are the four specifics that I came up with. And then later I learned that uh, they were going to be recorded and, and sent to uh, uh, Mr. Obama's White House. So we'll see what happens. But He's already started on a couple of those ideas. Boy, there's some uh, really breakthrough thinking there. I think Gary, Gary Michaels had a comment. Uh, just a quick question, Ambassador McDonald. How does one get on the guest list to attend the swearing-in ceremony? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be there. <laughs> so would about four million other people. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I have not even tried to go down that path. I am watching the whole ceremony on my television home only only a mile away, but I'm watching it on TV. Well, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it certainly is going to be a very, uh, no doubt, a very historical occasion, uh, not only for the Americas, but uh, I, I think I think for the entire world. And uh, like you, Ambassador McDonald, like many of us in Canada and, and throughout the world, I, I hold an awful lot of faith in, uh, in Mr. Obama, and uh, we can only wish him nothing but Godspeed and, and all the best in, in curing some of the ills of the world, uh, particularly in, in, in various uh, locations that are near and dear to our heart, Ernie, uh, the, the, the Middle East and, and elsewhere as well. I, I want to just take a quick break, uh, Ernie and Abbas. Uh, Ambassador McDonald will be right back. We have uh, uh, just a quick traffic report to uh, to pass along and a quick weather forecast, and we'll be right back after this, Ernie. Time for another Tin Radio traffic update. So far this afternoon, just one major collision spot on your afternoon drive. It's at Industrial and Save the Raw. Speaking with the OPP, we remain collision-free on the 416 and the 417. Also collision-free at the 174 split, and no major problems coming in or going out of the downtown core. 
This traffic report is brought to you by SellOffVacations.com with the lowest prices guaranteed. I'm Kyle Robinson, and that's latest traffic on Chin 97.9. For 25 years, Aditech Design and Printing has been providing Ottawa and area businesses with professional offset and digital printing, attractive design and artwork, and many other diverse services in the area of marketing and branding. From typesetting and four-color process and everything else in between, call the experts. Al Mubayed, Isadora, and Tanya, the winning team at Aditech Printing. 2350 Stevenage Drive, 613-739-9124 or www.aditech.com. Time now for an updated weather forecast from Chin Radio. Currently in the capital, it's minus one. Uh, we might sneak up to zero for this afternoon. There's a mix of sun and cloud and maybe light snow in the forecast for us later today. Anywhere from two to five centimeters expected. And then for your Tuesday tomorrow, the second last day of the year, December 30th, we are looking at uh, sun and a few cloudy periods at a high of uh, minus one. A lot warmer in Washington, D.C., and we're back to the program with Ernie Tennis and our very special guest this afternoon on the ADR program on Chin and Ottawa, uh, Ambassador John McDonald. Ernie? Well, thank you for staying with us, Ambassador McDonald. And um, uh, I should add that it's about 45 degrees in Washington, D.C., on a very bright, sunny day. Thank you. No for, snow. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, well, and actually, the uh, the weather in uh, the United Arab Emirates for a week, then Yumna uh, and I were there in, in Lebanon, was much better than this. And some things happened over there, though, I want to get into with you, not in today's show, maybe for tomorrow's or next week's show, as you touch on other world events, including the Middle East and Lebanon and so on, which I know that all our listeners will be interested in. But to carry on from this uh, very powerful and inspiring beginning, I'd like to pick up on a couple of things you said uh, to complete this portion of uh, of this um, beginning uh, conversation with you. When you mentioned B- Bishop Tutu, uh, he had uh, been awarded the, an honorary um, uh, PhD by the Lost Society of Upper Canada, which is the um, self-governing group for the lawyers of Ontario, uh-huh. and in his um, uh, in his um, receiving uh, speech, he um, uh, talked about something you know well about. But he was explaining the concept of Ubuntu, uh, that um, that great teaching from uh, his his country, his his ancestry about without you I'm incomplete, without me you're incomplete, and how we have to interact with each other and with nature as as though we were one whether it's spiritual, whether it's a humanist approach, but we all have to be careful one another. It struck me, as you mentioned about his endorsement of this president, that uh, the feeling that everyone's getting is that this president uh, and who he is is going to help bring the world back to that concept of Ubuntu, the oneness that we all have on our planet. I'm wondering, in a broad sort of scope, um, uh, there's so many expectation levels. Obviously, when you have high expectations that are not that it could be you know, you you say the higher you are, the the farther you fall. So I just wondering what your sense is about that first hundred days and the kind of cabinet that has been put together, um, and the uh, f- from a, as a diplomat's point of view, how he's going to manage those expectations to live up to that idea that we're going to have a, un- a more unified world. Well, first of all, going back to the first part of your of your comment, uh, he is truly a man of the people. Uh, and that is, we haven't had that for a very long time. He was able to uh, to get volunteers to support his uh, candidacy all across the country. I'm from the state of Virginia, which is a that's what they call a swing state, a key state that hasn't been democratic for 40 years. And uh, he swept the state, and one of the reasons was that he had about 20,000 
volunteers all over the state knocking on doors, making telephone calls, talking to people, meeting them at metro stations. It was just incredible how all of these were unpaid, totally dedicated to young people, old people, middle-aged people. He just touched their hearts. The other thing that he's done, and I think this is, again, relating to the general comment that you made, that he has, in his effort to listen to the people, he's He's used uh, YouTube and uh, and uh, uh, other or, other organization, other uh, programs on on the on the television show. A move on is a particular one that's been very effective with some five million members, and uh, he has listened to them because they went out and they found out that there are three main issues that the people of the United States are concerned about. This is aside from the economy, which everybody's worried about, but these three main issues, he has already picked up, Obama, and said that it's critical in his, uh, I don't know whether it's the first hundred days, but in his, his time in office, he will focus a great deal of attention on the whole concept of, of climate change. You may remember in his acceptance speech uh, as a candidate, he pledged uh, $150 billion over 10 years uh, to reduce our dependency on Middle East oil uh, by going green and by uh, uh, encouraging wind power and solar power and water, other kinds of nuclear power, to avoid dependence on uh, Middle East oil and, and gas. And I think he is actually going to do that uh, and, and witness what, who he's appointed to his various posts in the energy field. The second thing that he talked about was reducing... Uh, the impact of war, uh, Iraq, and, of course, Afghanistan. And the third thing was to bring health care, something that you all have, but uh, so many people in our, our country do not have, uh, to the people of the country. Well, when you have that kind of a people agenda, it means he's listened to the people. And I think he will continue to listen to the people. He's con- going to continue to use his high-tech contacts uh, to keep an open line to, to people. And I think that's incredible because it touches on your point about the young man who's concerned about justice. These all relate to justice in the broader sense of the word. So I think that he is certainly going down the right path on, with, uh, with regard to that whole issue. Well, that's great information. And in terms of access to justice, one of the things we'll get into uh, maybe for next week's show is the history of the uh, 80 Alternative Dispute Resolution um, developments in the United States from uh, President Bush Sr. right through to President Clinton. And I have that history written down somewhere, which I will send to you, because i like to see how that could be embraced by his White House, too, in terms of uh, of ADR. But when you talk about a 10-year plan, now, if I remember correctly now, you're allowed to run for two terms, four, <laughs> year, four years each. Now, that's eight years. It's a 10-year plan. Now, this... this uh, well, he's going a little beyond his own eight years. Yeah, well, you know, first, that, that makes a, a great assumption that he'll be in office for two terms, and that uh, he'll have more impact uh, uh, after that into the next presidency that is going to leave some residuals. So what, with that kind of uh, f- hopeful foresight, um, what are some of the obstacles you see that he... Well, let me, let me comment first on the latter part of your question. Okay. You mentioned his, uh, his appointees. Yes. I, you know, I, you know as, a, as an outsider looking in, uh, uh, the, the level and the nature of the appointments are very, very important. And his appointments reminds me, and I was around in those days, of John F. Kennedy's appointments where he brought in the best and the brightest people from 
uh, all of the United States, uh, but particularly focused on, on the East Coast. Uh, and it was a great team, and they did great things. Well, Obama is doing the same thing, except he's reaching across the entire nation, which I think is remarkable. He's brought people from all over the United States into his cabinet, and he's brought them in as a, individual teams that, that will work together. I mean, his, first of all, his national security or foreign policy team was the first one that he announced. And then he announced his economic team, and then he announced his team focusing on environment and, and climate change. Every one of these individuals is a remarkable person in themselves. They have a great history. They have done great work already. And they are going to work together as a team. And there's no question, as he introduces these people to the world and to the United States public, he's in charge. There's no question about who the boss is. And I like that. He believes what Truman said, the buck stops with me. And that's the way he's going to operate as a president, and I really uh, wish him all the best because that, for me, is the right path to go down. Well, that's um, this this path um, word has come up a few times, and uh, you've set a great foundation. So something just came to me. We have just less than two minutes, and I just want to throw this out because I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's on the back of people's minds consciously or unconsciously, is that uh, who's in charge? Ultimately, there's many, many people, which I believe he's one of them, is believe that there is a God is in charge or Allah is in charge. And there's been a sense that there's been too much religiosity or uh, right-wing thinking in terms of, in all sides, all the great different religions, but including in the United States with um, ideas of right, the right-wing Christian movement and Zionism and all these kinds of ideas of what role does religion play or a faith believe as a president. I'm just wondering what comes to you when I, when I say that. I know it's a sort of a delicate subject, but... Um, it, no, I don't think it's delicate at all. Our Constitution is very clear. There's a total separation between church and state. But that doesn't mean that you ignore the church. Uh, but your separation of powers is what we're talking about. But he has a good, solid Christian background, and I believe that uh, that will be an important part of his, of his daily life. And but he, I'm, I believe that he is strongly in favor of uh, interreligious uh, interaction and freedom. And interacting with all faiths, I think, will be an important part of his whole uh, program. Well, that's wonderful the way you put it that way. And uh, because, you know, with his uh, uh, ancestry, his black ancestry and his Muslim part ancestry, he has it in him to, to think like that. Exactly. And um, so in terms of thinking like that, we're going to think for tomorrow that we're going to get into some global issues, some of the great projects you're doing in the world. And for next week, hopefully we can keep you on for a little bit of time and to get in, in more detail on some of the very important subjects. So it makes me think of one thing as we talked, as you ended up in the note of working with everybody is what that Mohawk elder taught long ago. And I'll say it and see what comes to you is uh, um, from Akwasasne, you know, each culture is like a flower and one day the world should be a beautiful bouquet. And I know that you've been nurturing that bouquet in your lifetime and, uh, maybe that that philosophy, that thinking, will be part of the foundation of this new presidency. Well, one of my foundations, and I know that Obama feels the same way from what he has said in the past. I believe the only way to solve a conflict is to sit down face to face and talk about it. Yes. That's what I do, and that's what he's going to be doing. Yeah, and and that's the tough part, the negotiation, the adversarial part it is necessary sometimes, but remotely, but you're right. The tough part is that, and we'll be talking to you uh, phone to phone uh, tomorrow. Gary Michael's a great start with Ambassador John McDonald from Washington, D.C., the Institute for Multi-Track Diplomacy, imtd.org. Join us to have a global look 
uh, what we can do locally for our extended world family together under the new presidency and around the world. Indeed, and uh, we uh, look forward to uh, tomorrow afternoon's program with uh, yourself and Ambassador McDonald, uh, Ernie. We'll take a quick uh, timeout for news and sports, and uh, we will be back with our Arabic program here on Chin Radio and Ottawa 97.9, the multicultural voice of Canada's capital.